Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Our gospel lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Let's hear the word of God together. Now, he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, it is a gift to be together in worship, to feel your presence, to feel each other's presence, to open your word and look for the words of life. We are these several weeks trying to learn what it is to love like Jesus in an age of division. Lord, help us to do that. We don't know how to do that. We need you to show us, to teach us, to guide us. Would you send your Holy Spirit upon each of us here, open our hearts and minds to what you say to us today, and Lord, help it to change how we live for the sake of your kingdom. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, the healer. Amen. Can't you see this this woman? 18 years, 18 years you've been sitting in church with her. She's been bent over almost at a right angle on a cane, sitting in the back, standing in the back. She can't sit down. She can't look you in the eye. You can't look her in the eye. You don't even know her name. You've just been passing by her for 18 years. I have to. We all just ignore her as yet another hopeless case 
a drain on the church, someone who must have done something to deserve the kind of punishment that she has received. One Sunday, Jesus shows up. He does some really good teaching. His benediction, his benediction is to simply notice this woman and to say to her, woman, you are set free. He broke all kinds of rules, laying his hand on this unclean woman. But when he did, she stood up straight for the first time in 18 years. She praised God. Everybody praised God. The miraculous finally happened in worship on the Sabbath. All at once, the irritated senior pastor comes out of his office and he says, no, 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 no. There are six days to do work. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath day. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Jesus is in trouble. The preacher is madder than that time somebody brought coffee and a half-eaten blueberry donut in the sanctuary. We don't know if Jesus is supposed to put her back like she was or if he ought to run out of there or if she ought to run out. We don't know what's going to happen next. Well, what happens is Jesus shows us and the whole world something really important. On one side of the coin is all the religious stuff of life. Rules, important traditions, ways of doing things, all of it, all of it, worthy of consideration and reflection. But on the other side of that coin is faith, faith, saving faith in a God who comes to put the world back right, a God who is so deeply concerned about every single speck of creation being restored, every single human being, especially, especially the throwaway people whom the world says don't matter to the rest of us. If Jesus, if Jesus, who is God in human flesh, breaks what was thought to be his own rule about the Sabbath in order to heal a person who had been suffering for 18 years, what in the world are we supposed to learn about God? about loving like Jesus in an age of division. Well, what do we learn? First of all, I think we must learn the basic human needs for redemption, salvation, healing, and restoration rise to a place of importance in God's heart, which far surpasses all of the organizational ritual stuff we people of faith have put in place to keep order. Secondly, we must learn God seems always to find new and creative ways to get healing to the people who need it most. And God will shake, rattle, and roll God's people <laughs> however needed in order to make this happen. Just look at all of the social and religious conventions being shattered by Jesus. This unclean, broken woman shouldn't have been anywhere close to the teaching rabbi of the day, and yet she just comes on in as if drawn by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps she was. She didn't deserve healing, didn't have any dignity, didn't have a place in the family of God. Everybody there, everybody there thought her own sin had made her this way. That's why she was having to suffer like that. Jesus speaks to her. That was a no-no. Jesus touches her. 
that was another no-no. He does it all on the Sabbath when healings were only for emergency cases, not chronic 18 years been over kind of a stuff. She could have waited one more day. She'd been waiting 18 years. She could have waited till Monday to have this done. And yet, Jesus then has the audacity to confront this faithful religious leader who's just trying to do his job enforcing these long-standing rules. Finally, and maybe most unsettling of all, we learn that God in Jesus proclaims this woman set free without her making any statement of faith or request or attending a study class or having anything at all from her. Then what does God do? Then God names her a daughter of Abraham. Do you know what that means? In three words, daughter of Abraham, he gives her dignity. He creates a place for her at God's table, a place just as important as that synagogue leader's. What did she do to deserve all of that? What did she do? Not a dead gum thing. She didn't do a dead gum thing, but show up. That's all she did. Jesus did the rest. Meanwhile, senior pastor Fancy Pants has his theological panties in a wad. Because, I'm sorry, I said, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I did. I'm sorry, Shannon, I said that. He's got a burr under his saddle. How about that? He's got a burr under his saddle because he is, he is feeling his own grasp of how things ought to be slip away like grains of sand out of your hand. We know his pain. It seems how things ought to be is such a difficult thing to talk about these days. We in the church have such a hard time distinguishing between ritual rules and the deeper matters of faith, the big rocks. Everything just gets mushed together by well-meaning folk who are desperately trying to create clarity for themselves and future generations lest the Christian faith disintegrate in the face of a rapidly changing culture. We, we anxious Christians are down to measuring each other by confessions of faith and statements of belief on political and social issues because we, like this synagogue leader, are so worried that the whole thing is going to hell in a handbasket on our watch. We sometimes forget. We sometimes forget whose church this is. We forget who is in charge. And who is the unshakable foundation of this whole thing? Jesus said it himself. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is that rock? Well, it is, it is Peter's confession. Do you remember what Peter said? Do you remember what he said? Jesus is the Messiah. That's the confession. The whole thing is built upon Jesus is the Messiah. Everything else, and I mean everything else, has to get in line behind that as God's grace continues to move in unpredictable ways. And you and I, while well, we just hang on for the ride, that's our job, just hang on for the ride. In Luke 13, we get to see what this looks like in actual practice. 
It is so good and so important to have order and doctrine and thoughtful dialogue about all kinds of things related to and impacted by our faith. These conversations include everything from Christ's atoning work on the cross to predestination and infant baptism to whether or not a woman can preach right on down to whether you can drink coffee in the sanctuary. It's fine and good and important to have all of these ideas and convictions about all these things But Jesus here reminds us of that which is most important to our Christianity. I love what what I call the old interpreter's Bible says. It's a big biblical commentary written in the late 40s and early 50s. But it, it says this, the person right in front of you, the person right in front of you must be more controlling than any rigid formula or plan. That, clearly, is the rigid religious formula or plan. That, clearly, is the mind of Christ. Thus, it ought to be the controlling spirit of Christians everywhere. There must be reverence for rules and theology and tradition. But over and above that lies the recognition that God's redeeming and saving grace will be forever making for itself new ways to approach the ever-changing needs of humanity. We must not be scared of God's grace acting outside the bounds of our rules. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves with the synagogue leader shouting at Jesus and then embarrassed when we realize that our firmly held convictions can actually keep people from meeting the very Jesus who is trying to save us all. They can. Sometimes, I feel like the church of today is like this bent-over woman, crippled by worry and fear about the future of a society which is learning to ignore us. We are anxious that the church of Jesus Christ is going to fold unless we get everything just right. We are bent over so far, so far, that everything we see looks like a threat to our very existence trying to creep up our britches leg. Church, Would you hear Jesus say to us, would you hear with me Jesus say to us, woman, church, you are set free from your ailment. Can you feel the hands of Jesus upon your back? Do you feel the healing power of God setting you free from anxiety and fear and religiosity Can you feel your spine straightening with the joy and freedom of Jesus Christ healing you, church, so that you can once again be a blessing to the world? Look around you right now. Not many generations get to see so many new ways of God's grace becoming real in the lives of hurting people. This morning, let's turn our frowns upside down. Let's... Let's love like Jesus in this age of division. We may yet learn how to praise God for the miraculous ways people meet Jesus, the Savior of the world, because you work hard every day to love them like he does. Oh, I like that very much. It's a whole lot better than being bent over and angry for the rest of forever. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks be to God.
Amen. <laughs>